You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. It's gone 8.32 Central African time and that time of the evening we join Anwar Kasimani segment, a drive-in with Anwar. Anwar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell us how you're doing this sign a beautiful Tuesday evening. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, Brother Shafat, just in the darkness a little. I got some sunlight <laughs> in the house, but alhamdulillah, very dark on the outside, obviously. Well, Anwar, I'm in the same position, dark, dark all over. But uh, yeah, I know you are, uh, uh, you know, you pre-armed. Uh, you got your generator, you got your uh, magnetos, you got your, uh, you got everything in 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 order, Anwar. You know, Alhamdulillah, I've got a brand new. I bought another generator, Brother Shafar. But then I've realized our fridges actually stay cold for a duration of a day. You know. I mean, it thaws out lightly as long as you don't open it. Our freezer is 48 hours. So, but to run my generator costs me about 500 rands a day. So I find it practical on the first day, I don't ever put the generator on. What I do have, though, is my truck batteries with uh, car floodlights in my home. So I had extensions made previously, and I disconnect them to my battery. And I'm, I'm, I'm but gifted because of my business. I've got a battery charger, so it it doesn't, you know, make a difference. So with that in mind, my whole house is bright on the inside, you know. So Alhamdulillah, least I get to save about four, five hundred rands on the generator on the first day. And Inshallah, our lights will come back on tomorrow. Hopefully, and I got my generator going full. Uh, I got the magneto, but anyway, I just said maybe one day and uh, the next day. I mean, these things you have to do, Anwar, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's out of necessity. Well, let's get to our topic. Uh, I mean, perhaps uh, before we get to that, your feelings on Palestine, Anwar? You know, disappointing, Brother Shafat. Very, very disappointing. Last week, I was posed this question. I humbled myself. But this week, I think we all are a bit angry. We're disappointed. we hurt. Uh, more so because I think our... The Brotherhood in Islam has weakened to a point where people have, uh, you know, they, they have misinterpreted and they don't understand fully the meaning of jihad. Alhamdulillah, we have this, you know, everyone, especially on social media, you, you find uh, everyone is, you know, let's boycott uh, Israel, let's do this, let's do that. But the fact of the matter, if you go back to history, if you look at, Mo, uh, uh, if you look at Mozart, Mozart is the most powerful better than the KGB, better than the CIA, one of the most advanced intelligence systems we have is Mozart, right? Anyone who actually flies in a radius of 100 kilometers will be detected, and it's all AI, and they have a missile system that to combat actual missiles, and here you get people, you know, 15,000 strong, that comes in, a few of them comes in with parachutes, and they are not detected. Now the whole world is saying, you know what, this was a setup. Innocent people that did die, yes, definitely. But at the same time, it was allowed to happen so the whole world can see how bad Palestine is. It gave them a reason, excuse. Exactly the same with us. If we had to interpret and go back to the rights and the looting that we had, you know, not very long ago, you know, our government, everyone was quiet. There was no sign of the SADF. There was no sign of the police force. Exactly the same scenario. And then, because of gener- um, of the election that's very close to us, we find that it was a hoax where it's going to repeat itself and nothing really happened. 
you know. So exactly the same. When it comes to Israel, Bershapat, I am more than disappointed. The truth be told, the land was never theirs. They can go back in history. They are going back, I, I think, a couple uh, over a, a 2000 BC. And even if you had to look back in the time, it was never the land. I mean, consider 2.2 million people living in a radius of 144 kilometers. Huh? They, they decided to bomb all the schools, the hospitals, all the aid. They blocked off. They're asking the guys, you've got 24 hours to leave the territory. But where are you going to go? They blocked off all the borders. Innocent people, 50% of the 2.2 million people in Palestine is children, innocent children. You know, I, I don't condone the fact that, you know, uh, we can actually go in there and kill innocent people. But the fact is, innocent people are dying every day. And that is for years and years. You know, so it is a very disappointing factor. And I think what is more disappointing is the fact, you know, as much as on one side on social media, we are looking at our government, we're looking at people like Malema, hey, let's boycott Israel, let's do this. If you look at Pando, Pando actually says, so let's, let us stand together, you know, as a, democ- a democratic South Africa, and let's not empty any containers that come in from Israel for one month. And if we all stand in solidarity, at least they'll get a message. But truth be told, once again, if you look at the denomination of the Muslim community, you know, in, in South Africa alone, obviously they will side with us. But is it a, a double-edged sword? Because really speaking, uh, if you look at uh, uh, the elections coming, you know, what good is it really, Baral Shafat, when we are standing here, we're boycotting, we're we, we not uh, buying any Israeli product. It's not helping our people down there. You know, that is disappointing me. Yeah, the most important thing is those uh, neighboring states around, uh, uh, you know, Palestine, around Gaza. We're talking about leadership there, but Allah, 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 Allah. You know, I don't blame you, Anwar, and I don't blame us uh, to be really angry at what's uh, happening. May Allah make it uh, easy. And, you know, as you said, a united Ummah would uh, be so a deterrent to anyone who dare lay the hand on one Muslim. But as you say, the young children babies being massacred and you know find uh, uh, some of these western medias are uh, you know hook line and sinker uh, accepting it and uh, you know challenging those that they say you know this you know what this is barbaric they say but what about the children that the hamas beheaded and which was a blatant lie anwar your thoughts you know definitely if we had to look at uh, look at biden i mean our napkin president really speaking man Right? He spends over $400 uh, million. And you, you're going to take out people, it's an open-air prison. That is what they are calling it, really. If you look at all, you know, Putin on one side, he says, you know what, please step aside. But a lot of countries, if you notice, if you look at the armed forces that Israel have, they are basically the fourth most powerful in the world. Now, people tend to actually shy away from these people, you know. So, you know, if you look at all the countries, nobody says, come, let's do this here. Syria is actually standing with Israel. There's so many countries. that Nigeria is, and a lot of our black countries are standing with it. You know, South Africa. But really speaking, how much of an impact, how much of a difference are we really making? I mean, if you look at Lodium 100, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying do it. But are we really making the difference? Because our people are still dying out there. You know, they have such a... Excellent, I mean, uh, force out there in Israel itself. I mean, the borders are guarded 24 hours a day. And everyone knows for a fact, if you had to go and look at the present and the past of the Mozart, if you look at Israel itself, 
you know, you'll find that the way they guard their borders, it's more for people to actually notice the presence. So 24 hours a day, we have convoys of army personnel driving up and down all these borders. Yet for some forsaken reason, they allow these guys to penetrate them. I mean, come on, Brother Shafant, the whole world can see the truth. And what are they fighting for? Land mm. that was never theirs. No, that is wrong. That is totally wrong. Well, you make a good point. I mean, that's... Uh... Uh, you could see that was a setup, and they call it 9/11. They perpetrated that. It was an inside job. Uh, this too, you know, it, it smells of it because this is the pretext they used to go and perpetrate uh, this. Uh, we'll call it a murder, and uh, this is uh, actual murder that's going on, and what the uh, Israelis are doing, and what uh, the uh, you know uh, Zionist state of Israel is being. Well, and we're moving away from there. Let's talk about uh, should South Africans really feel range anxiety about electric vehicles. Everyone talks, what's the range I'm going to get? But should they really feel that anxiety, Anwar? uh, Once again, I'll use the word uh, double-edged sword, because really speaking, until the government does not uh, lower the taxes of all the electric vehicles and comes into the country, and that is somewhere to the tune of, I think, 60%, you know, when it comes to the drivability, one needs to understand when it comes to the rechargeable, be it the lithium-ion batteries that they've used or the gel battery, whatever it is they use on electric vehicles, they have a lifespan between five to eight years. And we all know the batteries are the most expensive on these electric vehicles. You know, so one needs to actually consider that if they buy an electric vehicle, you know, if you look at the charging points, not very long ago, we only had, I think, 248 charging points in the whole of South Africa. And then we have a private sector that actually entered the market and says, you know what, let's develop so much more. So Alhamdulillah, that is already in its infrastructure. It's already in the progression uh, state itself. But at the same time, when it comes to the viability of the vehicles, if you had to consider fuel on one side, if you consider the, the price of electricity on the other side, I mean, the driving range depends on what vehicle you type uh, you kind of buy. You know, it's going to give you anywhere around 180 to 400 kilometers. Some of them actually boast 440, but obviously to do driving habits. So a lot of people who are actually buying these electric vehicles, they're actually buying it more for the social runs, for the local runs, for the school runs, for the shopping center runs, but not so much for long distance. But then we've got the, um, the enthusiasts. We have the sport car market that actually entered now. And those vehicles, obviously, you're getting a better range of it, out of it, but also we've got a price tag that goes into it. So when it comes to vehicles, once again, I think we are one of the last countries in the world that's actually grasping onto electric vehicles. There's a lot of fear about these electric vehicles because any vehicle that enters the market, one always consider the aftermarket, you know, uh, helpline, basically. You know, so we always buy a vehicle that where we have agencies distributed equally, you know, at arm's reach, you know, one would say, so it would become easily accessible. You know, but when it comes to electric vehicles, especially with the import vehicles, I know I do a lot of import cars. We have a problem with spares. And sometimes you've got to, you know, go into one of these uh, uh, yeah, eBay's, one of these guys, and you order spares for speci- uh, specialized cars, which is not found locally. So I think one is that that's also one of the fears when it comes to electric vehicles. Yes, Anwar, and also uh, moving on, uh, you know, when we are lighting, we look at a Jaguar, say, hey, that's a lucky car. But uh, this uh, says the end of an era as Jaguar announces last petrol-powered sports car. Anwar? 
Yeah, it, it is actually disappointing, but I think what is more disappointing, I had the pleasure of, I won't say owning them, but driving quite a few of them. I think one of the most remarkable uh, Jaguars I've ever driven was the XJS V12. Alhamdulillah, very sporty, two-door coupe, beautiful vehicle. Or later, you know, Ahmed Mosadok, he used to own one, and very beautiful vehicle. Then you're looking at the XJS6. There were some nice vehicles, production vehicles that was in the market, very luxurious vehicles. Uh, weight of the body was over, I, I think, close to two tons. So it gave you the luxury. It gave you the safety feature also at the same time. But once again... A lot of countries in the world are actually adopting an attitude where by 2035 there won't be any electric vehicles, I mean any uh, normally aspirated vehicles uh, in the country itself because of the ozone layer, because of the emission control, because of emission taxes, you know, so legislation has been passed and a lot of people are condoning the fact of emission vehicles. So because with all that being said and done, you find that Jaguar itself obviously is trying to trend onto something new, a new base itself, where they, were, um, they are going to actually produce full electric vehicles. But once again, it won't be the Jaguar that we really know, really speaking, because obviously we know electric vehicles they actually work better or perform better on lightweight bodies. Now, when we consider Jaguars, the bodies were very, very, relatively very heavy in weight itself. So it created a certain amount of structure when it comes to family competence itself. So once again, we have full electric on Jaguar. I mean, look at the price of fuel, you know, it's really, it's ridiculous. That's the only term I can use. But uh, yesterday, you recall those Jaguars, Ahmed, I mean, Anwar, double, having double petrol tanks, I mean, that could have cost your arm and a leg. Why did that car have a double tank? Was it for the long distance or what was it for, Anwar? It was actually for distance. I remember many, many years ago, our, one of my customers, a good white gentleman, dropped off a vehicle with me, and each tank on either side uh, could hold 45 liters. And he had a problem with this vehicle. And the problem was it was actually performing at one kilometer a liter. You know, so he could only do a kilometer a liter. And he, and he went to some of the best of guys in the market, and nobody could find the fault of this vehicle. <laughs> so anyway, he comes to me, and this was many years ago, I remember, he tops up both the tanks, so we have 90 liters in the tank. And he tells me, you know, you need to drive this car. A guy that's jogging up here is faster than me because my car is actually consuming one liter per kilometer. You know, and it's smoking black. So I said, okay, fine. You know, looking through the vehicle thoroughly, and at that time there wasn't really diagnostic machines, and it was an old vehicle, obviously, so we couldn't really, you know, go in and pry into the computer boxes. But to narrow the story down, all it was, it was the battery. Yet the vehicle started and turn, and we ended up putting a lithium Bosch battery in that vehicle. Alhamdulillah, it sorted it out. And what I came to realize some time later is that vehicle runs with two computer boxes, and although your vehicle might start, you'll find that it misleads if the voltage is low on the computer boxes, and all it was, it needs a change of battery. So Alhamdulillah, we had some good experiences with Jaguars, you know, but uh, beautiful vehicle, by Shafat, no doubt. Yeah, beautiful vehicle, beautiful ride, good-looking car, that emblem of the Jaguar. You know, many talk about that. But uh, now it'll be an end of an era. I mean, people used to talk about the sports of Jaguars. There'll be no more sporty Jaguars around, Anwar. You know, the funny part, if, if you look at yesterday, maybe we are aging, Brother Shafat, gracefully, I should add. You know, but 
The other day I came across a beautiful ad about steady, you know, steady milk itself that used to come in bottles. And our kids, uh, although they have aged, they have finished the metric, they don't know what that is, you know. So I suppose, you know, with this Western world and the way things are actually evolving, you know, I, I suppose change is inevitable. We, we're bound to see some form of change. And I, I suppose a new era is more adjustable and more likable to all the changes that's taking place. You know, I, I think we will actually miss certain things. I, I know I came across an article the other day about the Fort Anglia, and I thought to myself, damn, my kids don't even know what the vehicle is, really. You know, so there's a lot of changes that is taking place at a very mm-hmm. rapid pace, I would say. Yeah, they don't even know what a Ford Capri. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, that guy's got a Ford Capri. He's with it and this and that. Well, Anwar, we went to our stages. You are a big, big, big golf man. And, you know, me with the Ford XR3 and that Cortina and this and that. But Alhamdulillah, Allah's been good to us. We had our, our cars that we enjoyed. November, November could bring a lower fuel prices despite the Israeli conflict. What's this all about, Anwar? You know, our government, you know, that's the amazing part. You know, he drops the fuel. And if one has to go back a little, not too far back in history, you'll find that he did exactly the same last year. He did the same the year before. And you find that the diesel price drops considerably. Now, the reason one needs to understand, it's because it's the silly season, we may call it, in December. You know, So what he has opted for is to drop the price of fuel because, you know, it's too little. But you'll notice that diesel actually go down much more than petrol itself because there won't be so much of diesel via, uh, vehicles that, or trucks that will be running in that period of time. You know, and he's done this, you know, for the last few years for some reason. But, you know, if you were to consider also, you know, just I think it was last week or so we did a show on 50 million potholes in this country. You know, and that itself will tell you, so, you know, with the price of fuel, it, 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 it wavers like a yo-yo, you know. So whether we like it or not, I mean, look at right now, this, look at you, for example, your generator is on. And unfortunately, the 2 Rand 89 that's supposed to go to the uh, road accident fund is, is not going there. It's winning your generator, and the government actually gains that day. You know, and that's a disappointing factor because it's likewise when it comes to the fuel, you know, my mom always tells me, oh, the fuel price is dropping. She keeps abreast with all this political and all these issues of economics. And I just think to myself, damn, you know what? We live in a country that we're not sure next week what it actually holds, you know? So when the fuel price goes down, and that's what we are, I think amazes us about our government is that he picks it up by two and he drops it by 50 cents and everyone will be proud of him. You know, so really speaking, you know, it's not really going to make much of a difference considering the state of the economy. I mean, also, the other day we had a conversation, myself and some good friends of mine, and there's 7 million people working in a country of 62 million. But out of the 62 million, 27 million people are basically in some form of grant. So just over 7 million people in this country actually runs the economy. Now, how bad does that sound? You know, so there is no really uphill or anything bright to look forward, whether it's the fuel or whether it, whatever it is. The things are still surging. Things are still actually, uh, the price is exorbitant. Nothing seems to be coming down. Yeah, absolutely, Anwar. And you look at the Toyota Hilux and the Fortuna ready to rumble off the showroom floor. Not like uh, Muhammad Ali, there's a rumble in the jungle. Once there was a battle there in Zaire, in Zaire. 
But talk to me about the Toyota Hilux and the Fortuna ready to rumble off the showroom floor. Anwar? We know that, you know, the Toyota Hilux, if you're looking at the, the uh, GD6, Alhamdulillah, they did exceptionally well in the market. And the Fortuna also. Like, But also one needs to consider, we have local production. I mean, it's just all over my doorstep, which I oversee every single day for the last 17 years since I bought my premises. So when it comes to the popularity of these vehicles, I mean, everything keeps going right for Toyota. I mean, that that is the slogan. So likewise, you know, Alhamdulillah, they're beautiful vehicles, but also at the same time, you know, many years ago, my, my wife loved this fortune. And, you know, the disappointing factor, we live in a crime-ridden place where, you know, crime is at its peak also because crime pays the government. We all know that. And you find that it becomes one of the highest stolen vehicles is the Fortuna, is the Hilux, you know. So when it comes to that, I mean, you don't basically have um, much of a competition between the same because they fall under the same roof. So Alhamdulillah, you know, both are actually well I'll say well-reared vehicles itself, you know. They have captivated the market for quite some time, and they hold quite a big market share. Even although uh, Ford itself has come into the market, they didn't really take much of the niche market when it came to the Toyota shareholders. Absolutely, Anwar. And then the uh, citizen says, easy, easy to see why the Range Rover Sport is Mzanzi's favorite. Is it uh, truly Mzanzi's favorite, uh, Anwar? The uh, Range Rover spot? You know, the funny part about that, I had a Range Rover came in, I think, about a week ago, you know, and and we had to price a few. um, It was a bit of an old, uh, you know, Ranger itself, but alhamdulillah, you know, the the, the prices were exorbitant, and the guy decides, you know what, I'm not going to actually repair this vehicle. I'm going to sell to one of those dealerships because, you know, it's too much. It it actually outweighs the value of the, the vehicle at the present resale value. You know, so when it comes to some of these, you know, the feedback that we have on certain of these vehicles, you find, yes, I mean, I drive a Wrangler Jeep and I will punt the Wrangler Jeep. I'll say, you know how beautiful it is and go up up a 90 degree slope. Likewise, the default GD6, if you look at the Range Rover, if you look at the Land Cruiser, you forget most of the vehicles. I mean, when it comes to the punting, but at the end of the day, I always maintain that it's a a person's personal choice when it comes to a vehicle with the likes and exactly what benefit that vehicle actually gives them. Because remember, these vehicles, especially they are big vehicles, they are really, it does not come light on fuel or diesel, you know. So it is something that must be a form of an investment. Also, at the same time, it must actually pertain to exactly the desires and the needs of the person or the consumer. Yes, Anwar. And then uh, the new hydrogen-powered BMW coming to South Africa. Hydrogen-powered, Anwar. No, you know, you take me back, I think, about 30 years ago. In Wirtz University, these kids, you know, the students got together and they built a vehicle running solely on hydrogen. And I remember reading an article, I, I think I just finished school at that period of time, and they said, you know, we've we got this vehicle that will be running on hydrogen, and, you know, this is it, and it was revolutionized the whole internal combustion system when it comes to motor vehicles, because what they actually do is they compress this thing to such a point that it actually creates energy, you know, when it comes to H2O. But you find that it never actually, you know, took off because they found it was very, very expensive to actually manufacture. 
Tata's vehicle on a larger scale. So it never, it was just a prototype. Now we have, you know, all the, a lot of vehicles actually, Bel Shafar, that has actually come out with hydrogen vehicles itself. You know, so it's nothing new in the market. All that, you know, they say don't reinvent the wheel. All you need to do is improve it. So alhamdulillah, that is what all the companies are doing. They're basically just improving the technology when it comes to the hydrogen vehicles. Now, the question, you know, they spoke about the hydrogen bomb and this hydrogen thing and the difference and so forth. Uh, can this car be, you know, hazardous, Anwar? Uh, uh, Not really. You know, that's the amazing part. I remember reading an article, if you look at the nuclear bomb, you know, uh, uh, it takes uranium-235. So meaning that for every one atom, uh, you know, for every 235 atoms out there, you get one nuclear atom. Likewise, when it comes to hydrogen, when it comes to splitting of hydrogen itself, the atoms itself, you know, they have actually perfected it to a point. So much so that hydrogen can actually cut thick uh, steel, I think it's about two or three inches, you know, uh, we're talking about water here. So that itself will tell you, although they'll extract uh, HO, they, they, they can actually split the atoms out of it. You know, they have found that it, it is very, very viable, but obviously not in the explosive effect because it has safety features. Like the gas that we have in our homes now, since we have low chilling and since we have, you know, lack of power, I mean, I think most of us have gas stoves in our homes. Likewise, we don't find all our houses blowing up, yet it has a simple safety valve that is actually featured on it. And yet it sits in our home or right next to our kitchen, you know, or when it comes to the bottles of nine kilos or whatever bottles that we have. You know, so likewise, the safety features is remarkable when it comes to the hydrogen vehicles. Anwar, you know, there's a question on the screen, and uh, the brother wants to know from Anwar Kasim. Which is the best electric vehicle to buy in the South African market? I need it for my wife to run around, to pick the kids and drop them at school. Anwar? You know, alhamdulillah, I, I would actually say Toyota, because Toyota has actually uh, created a whole new line. And the reason I would say because at the outset of the show, I actually like the aftermarket service that we get in-house you know, and because of that, and there's a lot of import electric vehicles that's coming to the market. But once again, uh, it's a matter of personal choice. It's also a matter of what purpose that vehicle will be used for, you know. So I will actually go for something like a Toyota. I will, I will basically, you know, go for a vehicle that has a better guarantee or warranty, especially when it comes to the uh, motorized section of it, and more so because of the batteries that it carries. You know, so when it comes to that, you know, I always advise people, do your market research, you know, because every vehicle tends to punt their own brand itself. You know, don't look so much for a brand sometimes. Look for a liability. Look for a vehicle that has stood its time in other countries because I think we all know that we're always one of the last countries to acquire the said vehicles. Any advancement that takes place in the world, we're one of the last to have it imported. So if it's uh, getting introduced to South Africa this year, which means it already is in other countries for the last year or two. So I would say just do your market research and re-evaluate exactly what purchase you're doing because obviously it becomes a problem. If you look at uh, Elon Musk's vehicles, it's out the Teslas. They're not really proving very viable. And that is the reason he's trying to actually go into different markets, you know, because a lot of these vehicles are catching light. A lot of these vehicles are doing all things on the road, 
where the driver has no control ability whatsoever on those vehicles. So just go out there and research what makes you happy and what serves your needs. Absolutely brilliant, Anwar. I enjoyed uh, the evening with you on your segment, uh, Driving with Anwar. Your parting words uh, before we let you go. No, Alhamdulillah, Father. I, I towards the latter part of the show, I got myself very, very calm. And once again, I will end it saying, you know, I, I think we as Muslims, there's a certain amount of brotherhood that we share when it comes to Palestine itself. You know, our heart aches. There's times that tears actually form in our eyes, you know, but we need to do much more than what we are really doing now. You know, to show solidarity, to show that we live in a democratic, not a country, but in a democratic world, you know, that is, uh, I just basically think, you know, also the same token, Shafan, one must also bear in mind that we mustn't condemn every Jew or every rabbi out there because I'll also listen to a lot of them and a lot of them in Israel and any other foreign countries have condemned the likes of what these people are doing in Israel to our Palestinians. So in July, you know, Baruch Shafa, all we can do at this present moment until our government says, you know what, we've got enough fuel for you guys, let's fill up the ships or let's fill up the aircraft and let's go and fight in the name of jihad. Alhamdulillah, till that time, I think all our brothers and sisters, you know, stand together in solidarity and just make that dua that is needed. And inshallah, they will fall for those who deserve to fall. Jazakallah khaira, Anwar. You have a blessed and a beautiful evening ahead. And Allah keep you. And we also really appreciate you on the platform. The Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, sir. Time for us to go for the Isha Azan. And inshallah, we will continue after that.